93 meals in March and 90 in April. And here comes Johnny with the mail. Hey, what's cooking? Well, you just look and listen. Hey, good looking. Hey, 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 what you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? Hey, good lookings. Oh, God, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. It sounds so stupid. But, hi, I'm Jackie Hearn, of course, and uh, there's another. this is another great episode of What's Cooking, where I get to talk to all the cool people doing all the cool stuff. And in this episode, I have with me Brett Stewart. Welcome, Brett. Hey, Jackie. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for wanting to be on. I really appreciate it, too. Now, I hope this isn't too distracting, but in the corner by my screen, there is a clock, a countdown clock. And there is a woman making your one of your favorites, Boston cream pie. Oh, right so, on. So now you finally figured out why I asked you about food, right? So the point of the show is, is it's a time show, and in 30 minutes, they're going to make you a Boston cream pie that you can't eat. Sorry. I'll send you one in the mail if you want. Um, but also, <laughs> there's a clock, and at the end of 30 minutes, we wrap up. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start this timer. Let's see. There we go. Uh, start. Go. Boom. Okay. Great. So uh, here's. I had a few questions for you in pose and pre-show, but uh, let's clarify this right now. Your name is Brett Stewart, but you are a very talented musician known as Rivers Rubin. Correct. That's right. Yeah, the stage name is Rivers Rubin, and my real name is Brett Stewart. Right. And how did you come up with that? Or what, what, tell us the backstory on that. If you haven't said that a million times and everything. <laughs> no, it's fine. So I, I originally started releasing music under the name Brett Stewart. And then I later found out that it's just hard to compete in Google rankings with a rugby player that will not stop sexually assaulting people. <laughs> this guy's got a problem. His name is Brett Stewart. We don't see eye to eye on that. So uh, I just don't want to deal with that anymore. I couldn't deal with that. So I moved on from the name Brett Stewart, at least for music, to uh, Rivers Rubin, and what, I know it's ridiculous. I so, have no idea. I know nothing about sports ball, so I mean. I don't either. I don't either, which is why this is even more distraughting. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I switched to Rivers Rubin because I loved the first name Rivers. It was unique, and I needed something that would not be hit uh, on Google searches, preferably people not assaulting other people with that name. And... Uh, I kind of grabbed that from Rivers Cuomo of Weezer because I think he's a great songwriter, and I he so inspired me when I was growing up learning how to songwrite, and his process was fascinating to me. And then the the uh, the uh, river the Reuben part of it I grabbed from Reuben Carter, who Bob Dylan wrote a song about in 1975 called Hurricane. Uh, you may have you know seen the film Hurricane where he's immortalized by Denzel Washington, and it was essentially a boxer who was wrongfully imprisoned for a murder he did not commit. And then later he went on to uh, be exonerated of that and become a, an advocate for for civil rights and for the rights of um, ex-cons and all that good stuff. And I was like, wow, that's really admirable, and it sounds really good with Rivers. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just kind of combined them, and it stuck. So that's kind of the origin of it. And And also it sounds... Um, by the way, I really knew nothing about your music before you, you, we talked about you being on the show, and I feel like kind of a fool because you are a very, very talented musician, um, and your songs are amazing. Not only that, they're the kind of music that I enjoy, and so I think your name, Rivers Rubin, really kind of sets the tone to your music. 
you're obviously very influenced by Bob Dylan, correct? Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> um, Love Bob Dylan. I, I internet stalked you as I do all my guests. Good. And um I saw some YouTube videos. Uh you, you actually do the harmonica theme sometimes. I do, yes. Very frequently. And that's great nice. because when you're at uh gigs and you pull out the harmonica, anyone who's not listening starts listening because it's unique and not a lot of people play it anymore. Very true. That's amazing. Um, so, so how long have you been doing this? Um, it looks like you've got a pretty large catalog of music. Yeah, I put out my eleventh record in January, and that that technically ten if you include one live album. And uh, I've been doing that since I was you know thirteen, so going on eight you know eight years, almost eight years now, and. Uh, and obviously, if you go back to those early records, they're not very good, but oh. they're there. <laughs> well, but, that's fine. Uh, that's, no, but that's what it that's is. That's something I, to be proud of. Yeah, the wonderful thing about becoming an artist in a contemporary uh, scene of music and technology is that you don't just pop out of nowhere with a record deal. People typically see you grow. Right. And, uh, and, I'm, and I love some of those early songs, and I've later rewritten them and adapted them when I was a better – songwriter and a better uh, performer mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. So uh, I put out all those records. Uh, I started Rivers Rubin about three years ago, and I've done four records under that name now. All of those I'm particularly proud of. I think those stand up very highly in contrast to their predecessors under the name Brett Stewart. And uh, just recently, uh, I sent this over to you, and it's I'm, I know it'll be in the show notes and everything. I put out a collection uh, 30 songs. It's called uh, Tilting at Windmills, and it is a retrospective of all of my music. Yep, there you got right there. And uh, it's a retrospective of all of my music over the last uh, seven, eight, nine years almost. So it includes, in descending chronological order, uh, stuff that was recorded as early as a month ago, all the way down to stuff that was recorded seven, eight, nine years ago including some live cuts that people have never heard uh, that were recorded at, on soundboards or at house concerts, uh, and then also including some demos and some songs that never made it on the records. So it's kind of a cool listen even for people who do know my music because there's stuff in there for them as well. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I, um, again, you know, I, I did kind of last minute sort of doing my homework. Um, I definitely listened to a, a large majority of that um, as I was, particularly as I was, like, trying to get my hair done, doing, the, you know, whatever, setting up my lights and all that crap. Uh, but I, um, you know, I, I started with Don Quixote. Um, and I love it. And I, I love, I, I, I picked that in particular because I have this, um, uh, a, a kind of this little passion for Don Quixote because I started writing this uh, book, uh, sort of a, a a biography, but a fictional biography based off of a real character who uh, was this crazy supervisor of elections who did all this stuff. He apparently eventually got um, the mob had him locked up in a insane asylum. Anyways. But he thought he was Don Quixote. So I've been like kind of looking and reading into and kind of collecting uh, Don Quixote uh, stories uh, over the years. And anyways, I thought you did a great job. I thought like, yes, this, this, you know, I, I, I didn't write down most of the lyrics or anything, but it seemed to really fit that story. And I noticed yeah. that about your music is that you're really, and I'm not just trying to kiss your ass, but um, <laughs> you really 
you really hit the nail on the head with 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 getting that. See, this is why I shouldn't talk about music, but you really get that feeling of of your of your message across. Um, is there is there a backstory to Don Quixote that that? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. And yeah, I I love Don Quixote. I picked up that that book a couple of years ago, and uh, it quickly became my favorite novel. And I love it to pieces. Uh, my guitar's name is Quixote, and that's the one that's so beat up right now that it's in the guitar shop getting repaired, so I can play it again. Uh, and you'll ride that horse again one day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously the record's called Tilting at Windmills, and you know the reference being a Don Quixote fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that particular song, what I wanted to do with it was if Don Quixote was a con was a modern college student, <laughs> how would he write a song? And that was kind of my my fictional scenario in which okay. like I kind of put my current situation. I wrote that when I was a sophomore in college, and um, kind of implanted it into the persona of Don Quixote following, uh, you know, a, a muse, mm. uh, which he definitely does throughout the novel in all sorts of capacities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's amazing. I love that. Um, I love when people take those old classical sort of uh, literature characters and, and bring it into their own. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people do that, like with Horatio Alger and, and, and things, but... Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So, bravo, bravo to you. Um, Thank you. Is there is there a track on that album in particular that you, if since we're kind of particularly introducing you to Diamond Club, um, who are going to be the vast majority of uh, these the watchers, um, is there if there is there a particular song they should start with? Yeah, I think if you're going to go on over there, start at the top and work your way down. Start with "I Can Still Write a Love Song." That is the first song on the record. And I think that's a great place to start because, as I said before, it's a retrospective through my, you know, my my continuing career, uh, relatively short one thus far, but a, a, also a rather prolific one, a lot of music. So as you go down that list, you're going to find stuff that is uh, more raw, more meant for people who have listened to my music over many years. But particularly the first 15, 16 tracks you're going to find a lot of relatively new stuff in the last three or four years under that Rivers Rubin moniker. Uh, so, yeah, I would recommend starting with I Can Still Write a Love Song. Uh, Don Quixote's a great track to start with. And uh, my personal favorite on this list is probably the 16th track. It's called Elaine, and that's okay. from several years ago. It's listed as 2013, but I think it was recorded even a little bit earlier. And that had never been released I forgot I wrote it, and what I was doing when I was prepping for this was I was going through all the old tapes, and I actually mean tapes because some of it I recorded on tape, and uh, uh, nice. record, yeah, tapes, hard drives, uh, everything I could find of all the stuff I had recorded over the years, and I found that song, and I loved it because it had this great hook to it, it had this great harmony, it had a horn section, which I have never really done since. Uh, in any huge capacity. So that's my personal little favorite on the record, and that's further down there, and it's an older tune, but it's uh, it's an interesting quip uh, of a song. 
Well, what I thought I would do is at the end of this podcast, um, you know, particularly for the recording that's going to go up in iTunes and everywhere else, um, to add one of those tracks at the end. So even if you don't have a a chance to check this, check your music before watching. um, So would number 16 uh, be the the, your You know, in that case, why don't we why don't we do something newer, but not super long? Like I can still write a love song because that's a seven minute long song. Okay, (laughs) why don't you do the second one, which is called Leaving in the Morning. That's a sharp, you know, two minutes, 20 seconds. That'd be perfect for the end of the show. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, Because, I mean, I really... I was really, really impressed uh, with your music. And, and, you know, again... uh, we won't go into like yeah, I, 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 when people ask me my age, I tell them that I, I'm, I'm old enough that I don't have to answer that, and I actually have the license to prove it. Um, so I don't, <laughs> so I, I don't want to go into that. But, but what I have discovered is, you know, for your voice and your influences, um, you've got, you've got an old voice. You've got an old. Like I mean, I I think that's what I really like about it. I mean, it's it's older than me too. Um, but <laughs> even though I'm old, um, but it's it's uh, I I I, th- I think that's I think that's one of the things I like most about it. Like I hear Johnny Cash, I hear uh, Bob Dylan, I hear those 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 um, that those influences. Um, so uh, and and even Weezer too as well. But yeah, I well Weezer. You know, one of the things that always fascinated me about Weezer was. Rivers Cuomo's songwriting process. There's a documentary on it on YouTube. People should go look it up if they like Weezer, where he he lays out all of his uh, songs meticulously on papers and takes 15 pa- you know pieces of paper to write a verse. And he's fascinating. But uh, I appreciate that because those are artists I listen to. I love contemporary artists. I uh, I'm a big fan of hip hop. I love Kanye. I love Chance the Rapper. You know Kendrick Lamar, all that good stuff. Uh, but the bulk of my inspiration. Uh, comes from people like Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hopefully I can keep my voice in better condition than at least two of those guys. I mean, Dylan <laughs> and Waits, it's rough. But uh, <laughs> right. I love them dearly, but it's rough. Right. So, uh, But in any case, yeah, I pull a lot from those guys, especially artists. I think what's important to me about artists that I appreciate, and I think I could say this about someone like Kanye West as well, is the ability to be A, prolific, mm-hmm. so keep making music, B, maintain a quality throughout that output, and C, have your uh, music be uh, evolving in a noticeable way. And so if you look at you know Bob Dylan, he has that in spades, arguably more – my bias aside, arguably more so than than almost any artist of the 20th century. Every five years, he was almost a different person writing in a different genre in a voice that sounded entirely different. Uh, and that's what I love about his catalog. That's what I love about Kanye is that every record Kanye's ever put out is way different than the last record. Uh, and they're still all good because you can go different and be really bad, but it's hard to go different and still be really good. So that's something I really look up to with all of those guys. Hmm. Excellent, excellent. Um, well, we're hitting close to the fifteen-minute mark, and I don't want to put you, um, you know, uh, uh, call you out here or make you do something that you're not ready to prepared to do. But we did kind of very much at the last minute talk about how uh, you 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 were ha- happy to hear the uh, Hank Williams intro that I have for this silly show. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, and um, 
you said you might be able to perform that. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So uh, I actually got this requested of me uh, about a month or two ago because I, I volunteer in, in hospitals here in Chicago, and I go and I play in the cancer ward and the CCU, which is cardiac care. Oh, and, wow. Uh, nice. in, the, in the cardiac care ward, I got requested this tune. So hold on. I'm going to take my headphones off here for our audio, for our visual listeners. I'm putting on the harmonica rack, and uh, I'm going to grab a guitar out of the space back here for the diamond club listeners oh jerry stickers are diaf yep stickers are diaf.com go help jerry out they're good uh and it fit perfect on my headboard so it went there all right there we go see i bet on the podcast if they weren't paying attention they are now All right, we're going to push back a microphone a little bit so you guys can hopefully hear the guitar here. As you're setting up, I will point out, if you happen to be catching this and think you're thinking, where do I find the chat and you're new to Diamond Club TV, just go on the main page down in the, um, the lower left-hand corner. There's an icon of a chat bar. You can go into that, just click on that, and there we are. Exactly. Right on. Okay, so uh, can you hear the guitar? Yes. Sounds great. Cool. All right, so we're excited. gonna. Yeah, I, I I heard this in your intro, and I'm like, I know this song. Yeah, good looking. What you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? Hey, sweet baby, don't you think maybe we could find us a brand new recipe? And I got a hot rod board and a two-dollar bill And I know a spot right on over the hill Where there's a soda pot and a dancing tree So if you want to come have fun with me And dance along with me Cause, hey, good-looking hoes you got cooking How you gonna cook it up with me? I'm free and ready, so let's go steady. How about saving your time with me? No more looking. I know you've been tucking. How about saving something up with me? And how about cooking something up with me? I'm gonna throw my dead book over the fence. I'm gonna find me five or ten cents, and I'm gonna keep it till it's covered with age. Cause I'm writing your name down on every page. Cause hey, good looking one more time. What you got cooking? And how about cooking something up with me? There we go. Did that sound okay on the mic? That sounded amazing. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to quit the show now because it can never get better. (laughs) I'll take off my mic rack here. All right. I'm back on mic. Sure. Sure. Uh, No, that sounded absolutely amazing. And um, this is it. The show's done. 
Uh, thank you all for watching the series of What's Cooking. There's no more to be done. Um, no, thank you so much. That was amazing. And it's I, a great song. I really appreciate you doing that. Um, wow. That, that might can be can I my... mention something about that song real quick? Sure. Go, go for it. One thing I love about old style country is that people listen to something like Kanye West or Jay-Z nowadays, and they're like, oh, look how profane that is. Look how they're talking. I listen to old country. He's like, what do you got cooking? I got money. I got my $2 mm -hmm. bill. I'm cashing out the Ford. Let's go meet under the tree. Mm -hmm. It's it's great. It's you like, know, I, I, I kind of think that that's a lot of that, like that and also like with jazz um, and blues, like, you know, they were just so much more clever about it, you know? Yes, um, yes. And I love that. I love when people put little innuendos and things. And so... I don't know. Again, this is me. I shouldn't be talking about music, but <laughs> no, I, uh, I I help teach a class downtown at a, at a college here in Chicago. I'm a teaching assistant for a class that teaches students uh, the history of, of rock and soul and blues and gospel and all that stuff. And when we're teaching classes, uh, the when we start in the you know the the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. When you look at Jimmy Rogers, for any music fans out there, go look up uh, T for Tennessee by Jimmy Rogers. That's an old song that's fallen by the wayside, and and it's fantastic. It, it is because it's it's him sitting there on a railroad track, 1941, playing his acoustic guitar, talking about how uh, he's going to round up all the women in a in a freight train, and there's, he, in the freight train's not going to be able to hold them all. And then any man that comes and tries to take the women from him, uh, he's going to have to take his big, long shotgun, uh, which oh. is definitely some phallic imagery, and, and go and take care of them. And it's, it's hip-hop. It's absolutely hip-hop. And that's what's great about it. It's 1941 hip-hop. Uh, so that's true. a great thing about that's music. Very little, true. little music diatribe there. Oh, no, that's great. That's great. Um, so you also mentioned when you... When you you did before you sung this the the, the Hank Williams song. Um, you, you said that you you got that requested a live gig. So you play a lot of live gigs, or yeah, a lot of my gigs nowadays are, are in the hospitals actually. Um, and I'll play open mic nights whenever I get the opportunity to. Uh, I'll play some of the events down at Columbia College down in Chicago, uh, and I do a lot of studio recording for me personally. The kind of music I make, a lot of it anyway, nowadays, I kind of need the studio to make. Mm -hmm. um, I can't, because I don't play with a band. I, I used to play with a band a long time ago, you know, back when I was in like high school. Oh, wow. But I don't play with a band anymore. So if I want to incorporate Bands drums, and, they are, they're hard. I like being able to play every instrument by myself and have creative control over that. Mm -hmm. So when I do go and I perform live, it's typically, you know, stripped down acoustic stuff and more uh, folksy renditions of stuff on the records. Um, so, yeah, I, I do play a lot live. Um, a lot of it, again, is in those hospitals and stuff. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so what would you prefer writing and recording and mixing and putting things together and concepts more than the live part? Because I would imagine the live part is is kind of the reward you need to go back and I don't know again I shouldn't be talking right. about music. Um you have you have thoughts on that or Yeah, so live is always wonderful when it goes right. So mm -hmm. one of the, one of the one of the wonderful things about being an independent songwriter, independent band, artist, hip hop, whatever you are, is that you are always at the mercy of 
uh, whatever untrained volunteer sound guy is running the open mic oh. is running is running the small venue so is true. running you know um you know years and years ago when i when i played a show and the and the headlining band got halfway through their set with their amps turned around backwards so the audience couldn't hear anything and that kind of thing happens all the time in independent uh, in the in the indie music scene, mm-hmm. so for me that has stressed me out and frustrated me or to the point where. Or if they just decide where... to hate you for some reason. Right, right. Uh, so I don't do a lot of it anymore because of that. I like to be able to control my environment, which is why I like house concerts. It's why I like going to the hospital. Uh, but for for the recorded aspect of it, I find the recording process very. I find writing very cathartic. I find recording very frustrating. Because mm-hmm. you can never get it the way you want it, yes. and uh, I will record 20 different versions of a song before I'm happy with the one I put on the record, which is why I had so many things to sift through when I made this compilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a – there's good and not so good things about both of them. Uh, I always look at it like – when you look at the Beatles, I'm not the Beatles, but uh, <laughs> but if you look at the Beatles, they had to leave – live performance because all of those issues with the Beatles built up and up and up uh, to the point where it was so stressful for them to do live performance and the kind of music they wanted to make couldn't be performed live that they had to go into the studio and that's the only way that they they'd probably even survive as human beings at that point. That's interesting uh, because you know I think was was one of their last live performances together that get back up on the on the rooftop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rooftop was the only concert that they played between then and what 1966, 65. Mm-hmm. Oh 65. wow! Uh, yeah, the Beatles went into hiding for like five, six years, mm-hmm. and the only time you ever heard the Beatles was when they came out with a record. Mm-hmm. But that was when they were recording stuff like Revolver and Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album, yeah. where uh, the beauty of Sgt. Pepper's, and I won't go too far into this rabbit hole, but the beauty of Sgt. Pepper's it is, is that yeah, go ahead. It is uh, that. It's an album that has tracks with 15, 20 layers, uh, which nowadays is commonplace. But when you were recording that in Sgt. Pepper's, uh, McCartney and, and, uh, and George Martin were mixing that down on a four-track machine. So those of you old enough to remember what a four-track machine was, no, you record I'm not. four tracks. <laughs> you record four tracks, and then you mix them all down, and you record four tracks on top of that. And every single time you mix down, whatever you did on those four tracks stays the way it was. Um, and that's how they recorded Sgt. Pepper's, and that's astonishing. They couldn't have done that live. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. So you're obviously a, a, um, a fan of music history as well. Uh, did you, Very much Have so. you been studying that, in, in, you know, or, or have you, do you, did you go that – have you done this on an academic level in any way, or did you say, fuck that, and do it on your own? Um, because I – Yeah. I, yeah. So I, 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 do, I teach assist that class. And, right. Well, uh, that's true. And yeah, and I, I was and I, listening. Yeah. So and I took and I took uh I actually took the class before I started being the teaching assistant for it. Mm-hmm. And uh and I've kind of come under the wing and in many ways, you know, learned a lot from the person who teaches it, which is a woman named Terry Hemmert. Uh people in Chicago and some people outside of Chicago may be familiar with her. She's you know, she's been inducted to into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um so she is a a for me, uh, to learn from her every week, you know, because even though I'm I'm not in the class anymore, I'm I'm in the front of the class. I'm still learning things every week. So uh, That's good. yeah, on at an academic level, music history is so uh, important to me. 
and I love it dearly. It shows in your music, um, for sure. Thank you, yeah. Well, if Absolutely. you don't have a good idea of where your music comes from and how, you know, that lineage goes down, right? Like, if you know, if you just love hip-hop, it would be more enriching to you if you knew about T for Tennessee and Jimmy Rogers. Right, right. So uh, that's what I love about it. So, yeah, I definitely I see the influences, and I see that I see that you also have your new spin on it, too. So it's kind of like you're taking that great stuff and making it into a new generation. And, again, I should just shut up because I sound like I'm just trying to kiss your ass. And, but no, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I, I was very, very impressed when I listened to the album, and I think everybody else should check that out, too. Uh, we've got three minutes left before the um, – oh, actually, the cake is out of the oven, and she's starting to frost. So uh, <laughs> the last couple minutes, is there anything in particular you want to focus on or talk about? Because this is your show. Yeah, so uh, outside of music, there's two projects I'm working on real quick that people um, – they're pretty neat, and people might want to check them out. Uh, first of all, you have been on Geek Cinema Society. That is the show I do – yeah. Over on Blazing Caribou, you were our guinea pig for our first episode, which I can't thank you enough for. Oh, and it was honor. a great episode. We talked about 1977 Superman. Uh, every week we do a different film, different guest comes on. That guest has never seen the film until that week. It's a whole lot of fun. I have two great co-hosts on it, uh, and it's it was great with Jackie, but at no fault of her, it's gotten much better because we've gotten better because she was on our first episode. I take complete so, blame. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's gotten a whole lot better, and that's something that's worth checking out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and yes. then the other thing is uh, I work as the editor-in-chief of a political publication uh, and because uh, I, I am a journalist by trade and what I'm working on. The music is a side thing. And uh, I will be uh, working with my network, uh, our, the network that we have built around our publication – to actually do live coverage of election night, and nice. we're going to do all sorts of really fun stuff with that, uh, and we have a bunch of cool stuff. We have a lot of podcasts popping up around that. We just recently released two podcasts, so um, that's OurPoliticalEssay.com. Where would they find a... that? Right, so uh, <laughs> um, OurPoliticalEssay.com, and uh, that is uh, a millennial discourse for journalists writers, commentators, uh, poli-sci majors, sociology majors. Uh, essentially what it is is we wanted to create an authentic discourse for college-aged millennials to uh, be journalists and be professional journalists within the 2016 election. So Excellent. that's what that's all about. So it doesn't it, so you're not uh, you don't lean to one side or the other left or right. Oh, it's... the beauty of it is that we actually you... have Oh, go ahead. Um so sorry, we have we have writers from every every shade shade of gray Excellent. we have uh we have we reached out because i knew if i did it at my college in the middle of downtown chicago uh we'd just get 24 7 bernie-thon this was back in february right, right so right. so we reached out to people at georgetown and other schools so we have students who are you know writing writing uh conservative pieces liberal pieces Excellent. pieces for the green party pieces for the libertarian party and uh pieces that are objective hard news and i not to toot my staff's horn but i think they do just as well as any other crap that you're reading online about politics right now That's nice. so it's worth checking out 
That's nice to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad that you know, particularly if you you, you call yourself a, a journalist and not just a blogger or, or somebody who's coming from one perspective. Like, if you want to call yourself a journalist, then you know, keep on. Oh, oh, I talked over the time. <laughs> Damn it! Sorry about that. Um, at least that clock shuts up really quick. Um, so our time is up but that that it, it, anything else because you didn't mention this pre-show and i didn't catch this in my stalking of you uh internet <laughs> stalking is there any other little projects because you know uh other podcasts and stuff or things that that you want to plug yeah if you want to find the jukebox podcast that is my main show that's jukeboxpodcast.com it airs twice a month the uh one is a roundtable episode that we all sit down I have rotating guests in the music industry, and we talk shop about music, about the news, about discussion segments. And then on the 25th of every month, the main episode comes out. It's anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours, depending on the month. And we showcase the finest independent music uh, in the world, stuff from every country, every genre. Just spend hours and hours and hours digging through, you know, loads of crappy music in order to find the gems of independent music that hopefully people can actually get something out of um because it's very hard to find good indie music because there's so much of it uh so much music not so much good music so uh yeah jukeboxpodcast.com and then geek cinema society is over on blazing caribou studios and last but not least uh the our political essay podcast is in most of the major uh podcast distributors now so you can find that by searching uh, our political essay roundtable that's the name of the podcast and i'll take you right to it it's really a cool podcast excellent i've been taking these notes because i'm going to have them flashing on the screen or showing up when i after when i go to edit this but um yeah that that's great uh, plug all the things because you are everywhere. Like, it seems like you're doing something everywhere. So, uh, and that's the point <laughs> of this show, is for you to be able to tell the world what you're working on. Um, but, uh, so, you know, one of the things I noticed is that I, I think I did come across some of these things you mentioned now in hindsight as I was rushing to prep for the show. But I noticed you've got a Facebook um, page for Rivers Rubin. And you're posting, or you're doing some updates um, about the, some of these events and things. Is, is that a good place to send people? Or Yeah, the uh, Facebook.com slash Rivers Rubin, that is always a good place to go. That is my public page, and that's where you're going to find stuff for the jukebox as well. An even better place is at Twitter.com slash Rivers Rubin, because I am much better at updating Twitter and connecting with people on Twitter than I am at Facebook. Me too. Um, oh, man. So that's the best place to get in contact with me if you would like to talk about music or politics or anything else. <laughs> Excellent. And, again, his Twitter is in the lower thirds there, at Rivers Rubin. So, uh, right. And Rubin is with an I, not an E. So it's R-U-B-I-N. That's a good – I've learned that's a distinction I have to make sometimes. I thought you were saying I made a mistake in the lower third. No, no, no. Your lower third's great. <laughs> good. Well, the audio <laughs> listeners wouldn't know. So Right. Um, that's what I'm – and then, uh, and then also, uh, you've got a. I mean, you've got sites everywhere. You also have your main website as well. People should check out. Um, to is, is this kind of a collage com. of everything? Yeah, brettdavidstewart.com. You, in fact, you can find every podcast there. You can find all the stuff I write. Uh, you can find the journalistic endeavors. You can find the music, uh, and all the other creative projects I do, all on that site. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, it's This has been a lot of fun, and now I'm kind of kicking myself for making it a 30-minute limit. <laughs> no, um, it's good to do. It's good to have a you know a, a, a stiff time that you can do an interview with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I figure I I tend to talk too much, so I figure it's it's holding me down. Although I I, I feel like I over talked this episode too. But um, no, you, know, you were great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much. And again, thank you, Brad. Everyone can find him at just follow him on Twitter at riversrubin dot com if you didn't catch the rest. And now you're going to be listening to. Um, some of his music at the end if you're listening to this in post so thanks a lot well, in gotta catch my train ever since you called me on the phone what kind of person ends things that way you're no good to me you're like a spring meadow that never blooms again. You're like a clock that stopped ticking at half past ten. You're like an angel that forgot how to fly, so she just fell down to teach men how to die. Leave it in the morning. Ever since you called me on the phone What kind of person Hands things that way No, you're no good to me You're like a locket With two lies engraved in gold And you're like a painting That's too sorrowful to behold And you're like Reading card that's best left unopened because there's pain inside and there's nowhere you can hide. Well, I'm leaving in the morning and I'm gonna catch my train ever since, ever since you. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>